You guys can have a seat. Man, I, I was just, as we were singing, I was just, uh, God just reminded me, I guess, um, of the privilege that we have to come and worship the King, man. It's this, it's this incredible thing, right? And I don't ever want us to lose sight or forget that as Christians, as people who um, the King has come in and changed our lives and He's saved us and He's transforming us and He's doing so much, but we have this incredible privilege to come here in this place on Sunday mornings and to worship Him. And that's, I mean, that's our privilege, you know, as, 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 the, as creation to worship the Creator. And so, man, let us never forget that. I love that, man. So we are continuing our, well, we're finishing up our DNA series this week. And so this is going to be our, our final week. I'm just talking about the, what we want the DNA of the River Church to be, to look like. And so um, what that means is there's so many things that uh, define churches so often. There's so many things that as people look at the church, outside of the church, and they, they see it, they, they define it in certain ways or they they, they think it's certain things, and then there's churches that they don't know who they are, and I'm not talking about anybody in spe- specifically, but sometimes we forget who we are, and so we chase a whole bunch of different things, right? And so as a church, and our foundation is a young church plant, what we want to do is set our DNA early. We want to set who we want to be early, what we want to chase after early, and so that's kind of what this series has been about, is just us defining as a church who we want to be and what we want to chase after as a church family. And so um, we, we're finishing up that series this week, and, and I just want to remind us um, what that has been as we've been talking about that. Some of the, the first thing that we talked about are these pillars. The first thing that we want our DNA to be is we want to be Christ-focused, Jesus-centered. And the reason why we want to be that is because we know that he's the author and sustainer of life. He's the healer. He's the, the king, and he's the one that we... Um, want to come in here to save souls and transform lives. And so we want to be a place where the Creator, Jesus, comes in this place and He saves souls and He transforms life and He moves. We want to see souls healed and lives changed. So as we're Christ-focused, as we're Christ-centered, our hope is that He would come and He would do stuff in this place, that He would impact your life, that you would be different, your family's lives would be different because of what Jesus does in your life through the River Church. So the first and foremost, we want to be Christ-centered, that he would transform lives. Secondly, we want to be a place of worship. And of course, we want, right, we want our lives to be lives of worship, but specifically speaking, we want this hour and 15 minutes to be first and foremost focused on worshiping the King. We want, there's so many things that we do during the service. There's, you know, preaching, teaching, singing, there's giving our tithes and offering, there's responding, all of those things, the primary purpose of all of those things, we want them to always be focused on worshiping Jesus. So that's, that's it. Like, that's why we're here on Sunday mornings is to worship the King. And so, um, so first and foremost, Christ-centered, that he would come to this place, transform lives, save souls. Secondly, that this place would be um, a place of worship, that it would be God-centered, that as we worship in song and preaching and giving and responding, that, that he would be honored and he would be glorified and we, as we worship him because he deserves it. As the creator and author of life, he's the only one that des- deserves it and that as we worship, that we would find comfort in him, we would find hope, we would find peace, we would find inspiration, we would um, know him, we would experience him, we'd be transformed. So we want to be Christ-focused, we want to be a place of, of worship, we want to be a place... Thirdly, 
We want to be a church that serves. We want um, our focus not to always just be on ourselves, but we want to be on focus, uh, focused on serving others, focusing on serving each other, but then also in our community. And we talked about um, what Jesus said when he washed the disciples' feet. So if your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For, so, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And so what he's talking about is in that moment, what he did was he lowered himself to serve the disciples by washing their feet. Um, even the disciple that betrayed him, even the one that betrayed him to the cross, right? He lowered himself to serve them. And he said, I've given you this example that you should be servants, right? He says, I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So we know this. So we want to be blessed because we want to do them, right? So we want to be a church that serves each other, a church that serves our community. That We want that to be a pillar and a foundation of who we are. And we do that through our I Love My City events. We, I think we did a great job of that yesterday as, we, um, as the Kids Creek set up a day where we could just go out and hand out school supplies at the Watauga Community Center. Watauga community Center. I love that. And what we want to do is be a church that... Um, serves our community and can be a light in our community in whatever way we possibly can, either or big or small. We want to be a light in our community. We want to love our city. We want to serve our city. We want to be a church that's in our city, not a church that's running away from our city. And so we want to be a church that serves. And then finally, last week, we talked about we want to be a church of prayer. So often in um, our prayer lives, man, they become just this transactional thing, right? So they become, um, our whole time spent in prayer is just us asking God for things, and we list out the things that we need, and, and it really just becomes this time where we just talk to God about some things in our life that are making life a little harder for us, and we want him to deal, fix those things. <laughs> so it's like there's some symptoms going on in our life that we don't like, so it's like, hey, man, could you take care of these, these things because I really would like an easier life. And that's not really the point of prayer, right? The point of prayer is twofold. First and foremost, it's relational. So God gave us prayer so that we would have this beautiful opportunity to talk to him and go deeper in our relationship with him. It's this really cool thing. And then secondly, prayer is meant to be transformational. So it's relational in the sense that we get the opportunity to go deeper and know him more. And he's a good father. He gives to his children. He does help us in the times. I'm not saying there's, things, there's something wrong with asking for things in prayer. But if that's our primary focus, we get in trouble, right? So it's, it's, and so it's relational. We go deeper in our relationship with God, and then it's transformative. We want to be focused on prayer so that in this place, God, as we focus on prayer, we transform our lives and transform our minds and transform the way we see the world. And there's this really cool thing that happens in prayer is as you go deeper in your relationship with God in prayers, he begins to shape you and he begins to change the way you see others. He begins to change the way you see the world around you. He begins to um, help you to love the things that he loves and seek the things that he seeks and want the thing. It's, it's this beautiful thing. And so we want our prayer as the River Church to be focused on going deeper in our relationship. We want to be relational. We want to be transformative, that it would transform our hearts and our minds as a church. So those are kind of what we've been talking about the last few weeks is we want to be Christ-focused. We want to be a place of worship. We want to be a church that serves, and we want to be a church of prayer. And then finally, um, as we finish up today, I want to talk about something that we've talked about a lot as a church, actually, is that lastly, we want this place, we want the DNA built in the River Church to be a family. We want this to be a community and a family for you. I think that... Um, 
I was going back over our Life and Community series this week. I was just looking through some of my notes from it, and I, I was looking at some of the statistics that I shared with you guys, and it's crazy as we look at the world around us, um, what, what, that is, like, what that looks like relationally, and it's just it's kind of scary how many people don't feel like they have family, though don't feel like they have a community that loves them, don't feel like they have people that they have, can have deep relationships with. And I'll, I just want to share these statistics again from this. Um, it's a study that Duke University did along with the U.S. Census. And i just share this with you guys again. They, they, their kind of conclusion to the study was this. They said, our society is in, the, is in the midst of its most dramatic slide towards disconnect in human history. Well, since they've been researching this, I don't know if they can really go all the way back in human history, but right. Here's why they said they said over 27 million people live alone. They said that according to this study, more people say that they feel alone now than at any other time, which is crazy because if you're thinking about it, we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, literally, I can pull up my phone and be looking at someone, like I can FaceTime someone in China. And yet we have all these people saying, I feel alone more than at any other time since they've been since they've been doing the census, 25% of Americans, that's one in four people say that they feel like they have no confidant. So no one to talk to when times are hard, no one to rely on, no one to get solid advice from, no one that that's, feels like family to them. They say more people link depression to loneliness now. So they feel like they're depressed because they feel alone. They said social, socially isolated Americans has doubled since 1985. So people who feel like they're socially isolated has doubled in the last 30 years. Again, we have all these incredible ways to connect with each other, and yet we have people who are saying they feel alone and isolated more so now than, I mean, doubled in 30 years. It's crazy. They said our culture feeds individualism instead of togetherness. So our American society breeds and teaches individualism instead of togetherness. So think about it in this term. I was kind of thinking about it. Over, like, if you look at a hundred years ago and you just looked at the family a hundred years ago, you had like three generations of family living in one household. You had sons and daughters, you had mom and dad, and then you had grandparents all living in the same household a hundred years ago. Now it's like if you're not out of the house by 22, you're a failure, right? Like, what are you doing with your life, right? Graduate college and get out there, get a job, make a man of yourself, right? And that's just, that just small example shows us how our society has shifted. If you look at just 100 years ago, you have three generations of people under one, one roof, a community, a family, and now it's like 22 and you're out the door, right? What are you doing? 18 years, you're on your own. It's kind of depressing, right? Doesn't that make you like excited to be alive? Yeah. All right, we're alone. But as a church, we want to be something different than that. As a church, we want to be countercultural. We, we see the culture that we live in, and we do understand that our society breeds this individualism. We see that people feel alone. We see that people feel like they don't have a family, but we don't want this place to be that. Like, we don't want this just to be a place that you come in for an hour, we sing some cool songs, and you go home, and you're still alone, right? Like, that doesn't help you, <laughs> And that's not what God intended for the church. We want this to be um, a place where you feel like you have a family. I think that, maybe it's just my opinion, but I believe that as Christians, we weren't designed to be alone. We were designed to be in relationship with the Father, and we were designed to be in relationship with other Christians. And I think that the church is the avenue in which God has placed. And it's not the church's only focus, or it's even maybe its primary focus, but I think one of the huge purposes of the church is that Christians would come together and that they would have a family and a community with each other. 
And so that's so opposite than our culture, right? That's so countercultural, but that's who we want to be as a church. And so I want to read you guys uh, our kind of our, our um, from Acts chapter 2 this morning and, and just talk a little bit about the early church and what they looked like and just one thing that we can do um, to kind of take from them and who we, how we want to be a family. And so in this picture, Jack, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we're jumping into kind of the middle of a movie here. We're jumping into a movie that's kind of already been moving along. And what's happened here is... Uh, the church is beginning to get formed. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. Um, he hung out with the disciples for a little while, and then he left. He ascended back into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes. Peter gets up, and Peter is preaching, and all of a sudden, people just start getting saved. Like the Holy Spirit's coming on earth, and people just start getting saved left and right, and uh, they don't really know what to do because this is like the church being formed. Like there's, at this, to this point, there had been no Christians Right? So Jesus had left, and there's all these people are starting to become Christians, and the churches for the first time being formed, and they, didn't, they don't know what to do. They don't know that, like, you know, you're supposed to get together once a week and sing three songs, preacher talks for 30 minutes, and then you go, they don't know they're supposed to do that yet. So here's what they do, right? They're, they're so wrong. They don't have a clue to do it right like we do. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 says, So those who accepted this, his message, Peter's message, were baptized, and on that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So these people who are getting saved, all they know to do is to, to devote themselves to learning the scriptures, what the disciples are teaching. They're breaking bread into their homes. They're hanging out with other Christians. They're um, praying these ancient prayers together. They're praying together. It says, Then fear came over everyone. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. So they're seeing the disciples, the apostles performing miracles. They're going to see um, healing and all these incredible miracles happen. It says now, uh, excuse me, now wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. So what we have here is a picture of a church that's unified. That's pretty cool, huh? One accord, love each other, same mission, same purpose. He says, then they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as to anyone who had need. Yeah, easy there now. <laughs> Talk about selling stuff and taking care of people. That's a little bit too much. Easy, church. He said, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joy, with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And I love this. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. That's a pretty cool picture, don't you think? You have these people who are um, breaking bread together. They're eating in each other's homes. They're studying the scriptures together. Um, they're seeing these signs and wonders. They're seeing miracles being performed. If there's anybody in need, they're like selling something to take care of them. Like, could you imagine that if I was like, hey guys, uh, Kate and I are about to lose our house. We can't make a house payment. You're like, well, so no worries, Mike. I'll sell a car and here's, here's money from that. Yeah, right. You're like, no, Mike, you're on your own. Should have been better financially, idiot, right? This, it's a beautiful picture. And, and then finally it says, God added to their numbers day by day. I love that. That's who we're going to be. And, and if you look at that, doesn't that sound so opposite of what we had just been talking about in our, in our culture today, where we have people who say, I feel alone. I feel isolated. Um, socially isolated America, Americans doubled since 1985, despite the fact that we have so many more ways to communicate. Communication and relationships um, is, a, is at an all-time low. And so yet we see this picture of these people who loved each other, who hung out in each other's houses, who prayed together, who I think was like a family, was a community. And so that's what, as a church, when we say 
We want to be a family. We want to be a community. That's, that really is a genuine hope for who we want to be. We want this place to be counterculture. Our hope is that this place would be a family for you. And I know that, um, you know, we can't all be best friends with everybody, right? Like I can't like have the same deep, deep, deep relationship that I might have with one person that I have another. But our hope is that you would come to this place and it would be like a family for you and that you would have and find deep and meaningful relationships in this place that speak life into you, that breathe life into you. We want this place... Um, to be a place of family for you. And, and I think that it's this beautiful thing because there's something about the gospel and we see it in Acts chapter two where the gospel just binds people together and it creates deep relationships where it might not would have been there before. Where People who at one point had nothing in common now start with at least having Jesus in common. And then it builds from there. Like I told you, I've told you guys this before, but when Katie and I were in Butler, Georgia, before we moved here to plant the river, my best friend was a 50-year-old rocker um, who had done drugs all his life and was on the no-fly list, okay? That was, my, that was my closest friend. He got saved at 40, and the one thing that we had in common when we met was the gospel. And we're such good friends that he drove 13 hours to come here because he wanted to be here at the launch of the church. What bound us together? It wasn't the drugs and rock and roll, right? <laughs> it's not really like the preacher thing, yeah. I mean, maybe the rock and roll, but not so much the drugs, <laughs> yeah. But there's this deep bond, this deep relationship that was formed. The gospel binds people together, um, and that's what we want to be. As we grow in Christ together, I believe that as a church, as we grow together and grow in Christ together, we'll become more devoted to each other, I know that, again, like I said, we, feel, we have this society that teaches this individualism and um, you're on your own, you know, whatever, but we want a place that's more community-minded than more me-minded. We want to build a church where people come in and they're amazed because they see a group of people that care more about what's best for the whole and what's best for the church and what's best for um, advancing the mission of the gospel than what's most comfortable and best for me. Like a place where people might actually sell something if, to help you out if you're in need. Like, it's really, people get really weird about kids and money, right? So you start talking about money, people get real uncomfortable. But wouldn't that be beautiful if we had that idea? Like, we loved each other. We were so focused on the mission of the gospel that that's not out of the question for us. We want to build a place where um, people are, are come in and they say that it's attractive because there is a group of people that want to take care of each other and love each other. Our culture teaches take care of me first. But we want to build a place and we want to be a church that says, look at the whole and what's best for the body first. Maybe I do need to sacrifice and that's okay because it's my privilege to do that for the purpose of the, of the church. And I don't mean the river, but I mean the church, the gospel, Christ. That's our goal and our hope. Our, our goal and our hope as a church is that you feel a deep connection to the people at this place and that this place feels like home for you. That these relationships that you build here give you life, that you find people who are, um, as you build deep relationships with certain people in here, that you would find people that give you safe accountability. What I mean by that is people who you know have your best interest at heart. People where you can be comfortable being totally honest with them. People who, where you can find um, trustworthy wisdom to be spoken into your life. Like actually like solid advice, Right? They want you to find people that you can walk through life with that will add richness to your life and richness with your walk with Jesus and people that help um, encourage and build that up versus detract and find little things like jealousy and envy. This is stupid junk. We want to be unified with each other and love one another and want each other's 
best at our hearts, best interest at heart. That's who we want to be. That's when we say family, that's what I'm talking about. Like there's, in that, there's a crazy thing. Like um, it, this whole Gideon thing, having a son is really weird because I talk about all the time how much I love him and all he does is poop and pee and cry and keep me up all night, you know? And yet you just love him so much, right? But there's something about family that's like that. Like you might have a brother or sister or mom or dad and it doesn't matter what they do to you, you love them to death. Like you might fight with them, whatever. But the moment somebody else says something bad about them, you're gonna beat that person up, right? Like I can say whatever I want about my brother, but you better not say nothing, Right? That's, our, that's in many ways our hope for this place, that you would love each other like that, man. You know, that, that, that it wouldn't be the stupid things that get in churches and divide, and Satan loves that. He comes in, and I think that it was key that, that Scripture in Acts 2 talks about the church was unified. They all had all things in common, they, because as a church, and if we're going to be family, we have to be unified together. Now, there's families that aren't unified, but that's not who we want to be. All right? We're not following those examples. So we hope that you find that here. And so, so how? How do we chase that as a church? Um, not to offend anyone, but I'll say this. If you hope to find those people in this place, it might be a good idea to try to be one of those people in this place. Wow, that's a big key, right? That's a big key. Like one person's like, yeah, the rest of you are like, oh, okay, Mike, what you saying, bro? <laughs> But I think it's true. If we want to find people in this place, maybe we should be people like that in this place. Maybe we should lead in that as a church. So how do we do that? How do we build a family? How do we build a community with deep connections? There's this really crazy idea that um, you've probably never heard of and is going to be so complicated that there's no way we can do it. But the first key is this. It's time spent together. Deep relationships happen over time. They're not something that just happens automatically. But here's how they happen. Is over time, um, through shared experience. So as we share experiences together, as we um, grow together as a church, you build relationships. They're shared, over shared experience, meaning the good and the bad. So the good, like all these, you know, things that we've gotten to celebrate, babies being born, marriages, um, you know, houses being bought, jaw, all these great things that we've gotten to celebrate together. We, they're, they're shared experiences in the good, but they're also shared experiences in the bad. And I want to encourage you in that because, or not encourage you, but I want to to press into you or maybe challenge you because we love to share the good, right? Like Gideon's born. Everybody know about it. Everybody come, come hang out. Bring us presents. Bring us food. Yeah, this is great. But then sometimes when the bad happens, we, it's a natural human reaction, but we shy away and we don't want people to know about that a lot of times. Or we don't, we don't share that experience with the people that we have deep relationship because there's a, there's a safety thing where we, we hide and we don't want people to know about that or we run away from that. But deep relationships are found in the bad too, the bad experiences too that we share together. And it's in those times, I guess bad experience, I mean like hard times, right? And it's in those times you see the people who are like family to you. You see the people who will walk beside you when it's hardest. That's when really those relationships go, like relationships, if you're talking about like the level of how far, how deep will they go in the good times, it's like, all right, a little bit deeper. But in the bad times, that's when they go a lot deeper. Because you see those people that are willing to stand up for you and no one else will. You see those people that are willing to love you when you feel alone. And so I want to just encourage you and challenge you um, to share, the, to build relationships where you can share both good and bad with. 
And how we do that as a church, how we try to organize that and force that upon you as a church is first and foremost in community groups. We're just going to force community on you. We're going to keep pushing that on you. Um, we just kind of, um, this is why this is such a focus, this type of sermon, um, because what it is is it's time spent together as a family outside of this place. Because again, our primary focus on, on Sunday mornings isn't for you guys to be friends with each other. I know that's kind of offensive. The primary focus for Sunday mornings is to worship Jesus. And so, yeah, you come and you hang out and we talk with each other and we spend time together and that's beautiful. We love that. That is a great part of what we get to do, but it's not the point. The point of this time is to worship God as a family, as a community together. We come together as a whole to celebrate the King. And so we have community groups and small groups as an opportunity for hopefully for you guys to spend time together outside of this place. We just actually finished... Um, our summer groups, and some of them were like, no, we're still meeting. We don't care what you say, Mike. It's like, all right, fine, do that. And, uh, but we're actually going to relaunch in September. And so for those of you guys that, that have go- been going through community groups, I hope that they were life-giving for you. I hope that it was encouraging to your spirit. I hope that you um, found deeper relationships in that time. But what we see community groups as is a time where we can build trust with each other. We see them as a time where we can go deeper with each other, in relationship with each other, both scripturally, um, and what I mean by that, there's this really cool thing that God does as Christians. Um, how's a good way to say it? Like, so my experience and relationship with God is different than yours, and yours is different than yours, and so forth. And we all have different experiences with God. He's all changed our lives in different ways. There's all these different things that he's done. We all have different backgrounds, and it's really cool because when we get together and we study scriptures together and we um, live in community with each other, what God does is he uses you to change me, and he uses me to change you, and he, he uses us all um, in this beautiful way. Iron sharpens iron to help each other grow in our relationship with God. So what's really cool about community groups, whenever we get together and study God's word together and just hang out together, is that God uses each other as tools to grow deeper in him. He uses you as a tool to transform me, and me as a tool to transform you. Isn't that cool? That's a pretty, God's pretty smart, right? He's pretty smart. So we go deeper, not just, in our, but not just in our relationships scripturally, but deeper in the layers of our lives. So as we spend time in community groups together, we, we delve deeper into life experience. We go delve deeper into um, what's going on in our lives, just in that shared time together. And then finally, hopefully in those community groups, you might laugh a little bit together, like maybe have a little bit of fun. That's, a, that's okay. Right? Like you don't always have to just sit around in circles with your Bibles out and knees folded and, and you know, you can like laugh and stuff. Like the guys community group, we went to, we went bowling a couple weeks ago and I had a blast, right? Like, well, I had fun because our team won, but I don't know about the other team. We had, my half of the group had a lot of fun. So, um, but we laughed together and that's, that's a big part of it. So kind of our primary way as a church that we want to build that family is through community groups. The second way is, is through serving together. There's this, there's this really cool thing that happens when uh, people serve side by side for a purpose. God deepens your relationships with each other and he enriches your life. And so we do that through um, Dream Team every Sunday morning. Those of you who come and help set up as we rotate and do that. And then there's I Love My City. That was a great shared experience yesterday with everyone who came out um, to pass out school supplies. We just hung out on purpose for a purpose to try and love on our city a little bit. And try to just, in what little way we could, just serve our community by saying, here's some free school supplies, man. I hope that they help you out. Serving together for a purpose that deepens our relationships with each other. That, that's a way that we go deeper together. On mission together. 
So that's kind of how as a church, those are kind of the two ways that we force you guys to love each other and go into deeper relationships with each other. But unfortunately, sometimes we resist that, right? Sometimes we resist um, communion. And it's because, again, our culture wires us to resist it. Like our culture teaches us. It's funny to pick on John. This morning, we, uh, Gideon was crying. He said, there's no, what do you say? What do you say, John? There's no crying in baseball, right? That's what, that's what life teaches you, man. You can't, there's no crying in baseball. What's wrong with you? You can't cry. You know, you individuals, man, you got to do it on your own. It's all you. You got to figure it out yourself. And so our culture kind of wires us, especially men, man, what's wrong with us? It wires us to teach us, I don't need anybody. And that's a lie, man. You do. I'm sorry. If you think you don't need anybody, you've been fooled. You do. We need each other. And so Sometimes we resist, and the reason why is because opening, the first and foremost, is because our culture wires us not to. Secondly, it's because opening up the deep places of our heart is hard. Opening up who we are is sometimes hard. It's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because we fear rejection. We fear that if I show you who I am, and if I get in deeper relationship with you, you're going to see who I am, and you're not going to like that, and you're going to pull away. It's dangerous because we've all done things we don't want people to know about. It's dangerous because simply sometimes we just don't want to, okay? Sometimes I don't want to. But we need to. We, we must, as a church and as a family, we got to push through that. Um, one verse I want to share with you guys again is one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 12, 9. And this, is, this verse solely, I think, is why I want to encourage you to push through that. And so Romans 12, 9 says this, as Paul's talking to the Romans, he says, Love must be without hypocrisy to test what is evil and cling to what is good. And again, what is this talking about? He's saying love must be without hypocrisy. That sounds weird, right? But what he's talking about is this picture of the word hypocrisy, which comes from um, ancient Greek times. They do these plays, and it means with mask, right? So hypocrisy is wearing, you're wearing a mask. And the idea is these people who are doing the plays would, they didn't have these great special effects that we have. And so they would put on a mask to portray different characters. So if he was going to be this character, he wore this mask. He's going to be this character, he'd wear this mask and so forth. And so what Paul is seeing, he's seeing this picture of these people who are not being themselves. They're being fake because they're wearing a mask. And what he's looking at us as Christians, he's saying, love Christians must be without masks. To truly love and be loved, you got to take off the mask. And so our hope is that as the river grows um, both deep and wide, but as we grow, that you would find relationships in this place that you're comfortable taking off the mask because it's only when we take off the mask and let certain people see who we truly are that we can truly be loved. Like there's this thing, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's if you, you can never really accept love if you're wearing the mask because what happens is you go, you don't really know who I am. If I took off the mask and you saw who I really was, you wouldn't really love me because then you would know who I am. But it's once we take off the mask, slowly, it happens slowly through shared experience. But as we take off the mask, we begin to reveal who we really are and we begin to truly let people love us. And that's why that shared experience matters because what happens is we gradually reveal, reveal a little bit and we're like, okay, they accepted me. They like that part of me. Okay, good. I'll, you know, next shared experience, reveal a little bit more. Okay, they accepted that. You know, it's not like something that just happens all at once. Like, like <laughs> you don't just like take off the mask, like, and you, ah, right? It's, you know, it's not that. It's, it's, a, it's a gradual process that happens through shared experience. But deep relationships take time. But I want to encourage you to continue to press into that, to continue to push into that, even though you're going to naturally resist it to take off the mask so that love can be without hypocrisy, so that love in here, the relationship you have in here, will be love without masks. We want our DNA in here to be a place of deep community, deep relationships, where you and your family have a true family. That's what we want.
guys come on up. What, what we want this, so this idea of family, this idea of community, um, this and all of the things that we've been talking about, the pillars in our DNA, are purposeful for one reason. All these things that we talk about, being a place of worship, being a place of prayer, being a Christ-focused place, all have one purpose, is that you, Christian, would come in here and have an abundant Christian life. That you would have a life of joy, that your walk with Jesus would be fruitful, and it would be deep, and it would be meaningful, and it would be abundant. Next week, I'm starting, I'm going to do a small series on uh, John 10, where Jesus comes and he says, I've come, the thief comes to steal and destroy, but I've come to give you life, and that you'd have life abundantly. I'm so excited to preach about that. But that's the purpose of our DNA. All of these things are for that. We're focused on, uh, so that you would have an abundant Christian life. We're Christ-centered because Christ is our hero. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. He's the only one that can heal. He's the only one that can, that can save. He's the only one that can transform. And so our focus is on him because he's our God. He's our king, and we need him. If we want an abundant Christian life, it starts with him, right? We want to be a place of worship because we were designed to worship the king. God designed us that we would be worshipers of him as we respond to him, as we experience him, as we grow in him. We want to be a church that serves because we want to follow Jesus' examples to be servant of all. And as we serve together as a church, what that does is it teaches us to look not in here, but outward to the world around us and to love the world around us like Christ loves it. He teaches us to be servants. We want to be a place of prayer because it's in prayer that we find deep communion with God and it's through prayer that he transforms us and lets us to see the world like he sees the world. We want to be a deep family because it's in deep relationship and community that we rub off on each other, we transform each other, we find life in each other. We were built, we were created to be in relationship with God and each other. And we want you to find that here. So I want to ask you guys to stand with me this morning. I just want us to worship Him together. Worship Him for these beautiful things that we have this opportunity to be a family together. And as always, I want to encourage you guys, man, if there's anything that you need to pray about, if there's anything going on, we have these guys hanging out here with the badges on, and they would love to pray with you. And it doesn't even have to be about the sermon. It can be about whatever you want. Give you that freedom, right? So our prayer this morning is that we would, as we focus on these things, as we focus on these pillars of, of our DNA as a church, that God would transform and he would heal and he would grow this place both deep and wide together. That he would make us a church of healthy Christians who live an abundant Christian life and that he would continue to bring people in here and heal and transform and that we would be a place that maybe we get to see a few miracles ourselves. Life transforming is a pretty cool miracle, I think. That he would heal and transform and ultimately he would be glorified by everything that happens in this place. Let's pray and let's just worship our King. God, I love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege to come and worship you. Father, I pray that you would make this place a family, that you would grow us deep and wide, but as we grow larger, we would still continue to grow smaller. And what I mean by that is that as we grow larger, we would still grow deep, deep relationships that breathe life, that bring accountability, that bring trust, a, a place where we can love without masks, a place where Every family in here feels like this is their family, a church that's a unified family that has each other's best interest at heart always. That we would be willing to sacrifice because we realize life's not about us, man. It's about you, and it's about serving you, and it's about your mission. 
that we'd be a family on mission together on purpose for a purpose, Lord. I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.